You're listening to a Henley Intelligence conversation. Welcome to Henley Intelligence, <laughs> where we talk about things of interest for personal development, business development, skills, genius, technique, and how we can grow. I've got a really interesting guy here today, a man who I personally respect a lot and have listened to a lot because he's a guitarist, singer-songwriter, and musician of note called Dan Poklansky. It's good to be here. So this is a conversation that's really going to be about you. And, right. and I think I want to say a few things about you first. Right. Spare your blushes not. <laughs> it's interesting. You're from down the road here, where Northcliffe, right? Northcliffe, Joe yeah, Born and bred on the... Tough streets of Northcliffe. <laughs> Tough streets of Northcliffe. And so there you are, Tough streets of Northcliffe. And you've got this album called Dear Silent Thieves that was voted the number one blues rock album in the world in 2014 by the Blues Rock Review in USA, right? Yeah. And we had people in that like Joe Bonamassa, Devon Allman, Black Keys, Philip Sace, and those musicians among you will know that these are outstanding people you've toured with bruce springsteen you've opened for bruce springsteen right yeah definitely here in joburg it was incredible and dear silent thieves was number one blues rock album in the world uk itunes top 20 blues albums in 2015 hot contender and album of the year category blues and soul magazine the album was named number 41 of the 50 best albums of 2015 in the world um, by classic rock magazine Male Artist of the Year, Blues and Soul Magazine, 2015. This was inter this is international, outside Africa. This is the world, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Number four of ten best rock guitarists in the world by Total Guitar Magazine. <laughs> Nominated best international solo artist by the Planet Rock Radio Rocks Award, February 2016. Rated number two in the category of top five overseas artists of the year by the British Blues Awards. That's pretty amazing. You know what those are for me, John? What it's, are they? You've got to kind of take them with a pinch of salt because an award, like for instance, the one that always, it's awesome to have gotten it, but the one that always makes me a little uneasy is the, you know, the fourth best guitarist in the world by Total Guitar Magazine. Uh, as cool as that is, because that was voted by the readers of mm. Total Guitar Magazine, you know, it's being a guitar player and being ranked as a guitar player, you know, people almost see it as... I mean, outside of the guitar world, they see it as like athletics, where there's a definite thing that makes you better than the guitar Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, if you're running the 100 meters, mm. you would be the best in the world because you ran at the quickest out of anyone in the world, or you ran at the second quickest. Where in guitar, I mean, it's such a personal thing. In any art, it's a personal thing. But saying that, it was a very humbling thing that the readers voted me. Got to number four. I mean, these are top guitar geeks in the world. Sure. These readers. These are not dumbos when it comes to guitar. And anyway, sure. these are these passionate people who've got albums spreading around. Like they can quote every artist there is. They know every riff there is. Sure. And there you are, voted number four. This guy from Northcliffe, <laughs> not brought up in a blues environment, not brought up in New Orleans or sure. Nashville or the deep south of England where a lot of good guitars <laughs> seem to come from. So that's an amazing story. How come? Well, I believe success in any field on any level is due to the passion you have for something. I believe that all success is driven by passion. I really do. And I've always been massively passionate about music because of the way music made me feel as a kid, mm. listening to it before I played. And as a teenager, especially, because that's like a, a big time in your life that shapes who you are as an adult, I think. And how music almost was an escape from everyday life. It took me to this incredible place. And I was always interested in the way music made me feel. And it, when I started playing, the way it became, you know, a, a tool of expression, really, to express yourself. I think everyone in the world has to have an avenue to express through. You've got an avenue Everyone does, you know, and it's about finding what that avenue is and expressing through it. And it doesn't have to be an art form. So for me, it was music. And because I grew up with parents that listen to fantastic music, in the house, there's always good music playing. A lot of blues, a lot of classic rock, a lot of jazz, a lot of more roots 
music that was a very guys. positive environment for you for music. There's a lot of endorsement that music was a, a great thing. It was a great was, thing. Yeah. Before I even played, it was something that it was always on in the house. It was always on in the car. So I was always exposed to great music, and my I could see the the love for music my parents had. What a big part music was in their lives. So when I was in my early teens, thirteen, fourteen years old, I got a guitar, and I fell in love with it because it was this, as I say, this tool to express through. Had you played any music before? For the guitar, I played a little bit of guitar when I was eight. I got an acoustic guitar yeah. for one of my birthdays, a nylon string acoustic guitar, mm. and I was listening to like classic rock bands like AC/DC and all that. This was like must have been the late '80s, and I couldn't work out why my classical nylon string guitar didn't sound like <laughs> the guitars on the albums I was listening to. So I lost interest. You know, eight-year-olds, your, your attention so span it's... tends to be quite small. So I lost interest quickly. Uh, you know, I'd go to guitar lessons every Tuesday afternoon. And my guitar would sit in the corner of the room for the rest of the week until I went so to my Leo, next guitar here's this guy who turns out to be like this amazing guitarist who's got world recognition. And I've done some weekends with you, the guitar weekends. Yes. And, and you're a great teacher. But you had a guitar and it didn't set you alight at eight. Oh, definitely not. And so that's really interesting, isn't it? It's it like, is. It wasn't like you came home and there was your thing. It's like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited to get the guitar. Yeah. The, the thought of it was way more exciting <laughs> than the actual work that now I had to put into play. But what it was, it was the sound. So I went to the guitar yeah. teacher down the road. He showed me a chord. And I played it. And I went, that sounds nothing like the records I'm listening yeah. to. And maybe it was the teacher's fault or you know the people around me. No one said to me, listen, the reason it doesn't sound like that is because it's not an electric guitar. I wonder how that teacher ranked you at that stage. Do you think he would have said, oh, I had this amazing guy who's coming to one of the best guitarists in the world. Or is it, I've got this dodo who's not really... Probably you know. the latter, I would say, definitely. <laughs> because, do you think so? Can you yeah, imagine now? Because, you know? I mean, when I went, went then, he was a, a lovely guy, more of a folk kind of, yeah. you know, learning the basics, just a few chords. Okay. But, leading, but leading I think I was a pain in the butt student because... I didn't do anything from lesson to lesson. So if I go on Tuesday afternoons, you know, my next lesson will be the following week, Tuesday. I would do nothing for that week. This is when I was eight, right? Because it didn't interest me. And it just seemed like, wow, I've got a, it seems like hard work this. I don't think the passion had been me yet for music. And well, music was there, but for the actual playing of the guitar. And only when I was in about sound at six, first year of high school, when I got an electric guitar, that bug that guitar bug bite because all of a sudden i'd play something and what i was playing i was hearing something not quite but something closer that i heard on records and that excited me you could resonate with it and yeah it was like well that's what i want to play that's the sound that i've been hearing and i've always been a tone guy like a a sound guy Mm. you know the the tone of an instrument that is the most important thing to me and it's gone back even to those early days. And that, you picked that up earlier, the sense of tone. So you listen to music a lot. Didn't yes, you? yeah. And, and when you, when I say you instruments. When I say you listen, you really listen. Is yes, that right? really listen. And even from a young age, it'll be a certain guitar sound on a certain record that I would love. I'd love the tone of the guitar, the way it came up, mm. the way it was EQ'd, whatever it was. That really resonated with me. It was, uh, that hits me before. Was this an intellectual resonance or was it sort of a visceral thing? <sighs> Wow. Yeah, it was a, the latter again because mm. it, it's, it's a feeling. It was like mm. that makes me feel incredible. It tickles my ears, mm. and I love the sound. And I've always loved sound, the, the, you know, the, the soundscape and, and the, the tones of instrument. That's the first, still to this day. It's the first thing I hear when I hear music is tone. That's the vehicle that music gets carried on, and after that, you know, becomes you know, melody and harmony and all, all all the rest of it. So that was right back then but from then what I'm trying to say is I had the passion for it and when you start anything in life the first stages of it are tedious because you've got to get through those first little hurdles of playing the guitar which are boring still got to try and get your fingers right your fingers hurt and it's not a pleasant thing you're not making music you're just learning the basics now for me to I always say to starting our guitar players you just got to push through that initial stage then it becomes how long does that stage I suppose it depends on how hard you work at it. And how hard you work at it depends on what? How passionate you are, I think. And where does that passion come from? The passion, that's a good question. Mm. So for me, let me put it this way. The reason I practiced a lot as a kid, and I really Mm. did, 
I practiced all the time. So I've heard stories of you at school sitting on the stairs, playing, 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 playing. One of your mates is our sound guy here. Oh, right, and right. He was telling me, nah, Dan, you know, yeah, he used to play all the time. See, I mean, it hurt my schoolwork, mm. to be honest with you, yeah. but that was my passion. And because I played so much, and what got me, what made me practice was the passion. Because, wow, it wasn't interesting. It wasn't musical to you my ears. Pull chicks or impress people or be the big guy with the guitar. It wasn't that at all. No, I mean, I know a lot of guitar players start like that. You know, yeah. that's they started playing the guitar because chicks like it. But keep in mind, when I started playing guitar, which was in the 90s, especially in South Africa, if you were a techno DJ, maybe you would have had better luck with the ladies. But being a guitar player, yeah, it wasn't, I think, on the top of what ladies look for, especially at my age. And then you, then you choose the blues to play on top of that. <laughs> you know, so if you're in, in high school, I mean, I think people thought I was crazy, you know. How did that work out when you went to your girlfriend's parents' houses when you introduced, here's Dan Patlansky, and he is a... Musician. Yeah, how did that work out with the parents? It was always a, an awkward thing because I think people prejudge you before they've <laughs> even met you, you know. Especially in an, old, in an older generation, right? Like musicians, I think, in a lot of people's minds are in the same category as, as sailors and prostitutes, if you know what I mean. It's like not a real job. Yeah. You can't earn a, can't earn can't living, being a, live musician. a wholesome life being a musician. And yeah, I suppose it's our own faults. I mean, if you look at the history of musicians, we haven't done our, our profiles any favors with drug overdoses and being raging alcoholics and stuff. It's, mm. it's a common thing. And Why is that? Why are people using drugs in you? So my theory is when you're on stage, when you're in studio, when you're playing, what you want to tap into in your mind is your subconscious. And what mm. that is, is all the stuff you've practiced at home. So, so your you, mind's getting in the way. Your mind's getting in the way. Right, okay. your, your worst enemy as a musician or any art form is your conscious mind because you overthink it. And you start criticizing yourself while you're doing it. And that's the worst part. So I do it all the time. I'm on stage, I'm playing. And while I'm playing, I'm criticizing what I'm doing. How does that help your music? Terribly. Uh -huh. it, it makes you snowball, but in the wrong direction. And that direction is what the wrong direction is? Well, just you start overthinking things more and more and more and more until you, everything you are hearing is terrible, even if it's and not. What's it do to your fingers when you start overthinking? Does it slow your technique? Does it well, change? yeah, it, it gives you angst. And yeah. when you got angst, you're not as confident mm. and, and you become, let's say, more jittery. You, you're less confident on what you're playing. Mm. And that tends to make your playing a little jagged, a little. And so people take drugs in there. Or yeah. So, so I've fortunately never gone down that route, right? Because I'm. You're known for that. You're known for the guy who doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And the reason is, is I've got a very addictive personality. So if, if I started taking drugs and I liked it, that would be me. You know what I mean? So I've known that about myself. Don't go down these paths that are there's no turning back from. So for me, if you look at the great improvisers in history, the, the, the bebop jazz guys, Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, all those guys, the greatest improvisers in the world of music, right? All those guys had heroin addictions. Mm. Heroin was a a big kind of drug of choice for jazz musicians of that era mm. and alcohol abuse also was. And for me, it's a very, very simple thing. And I mean, this is not a science, this is not a fact, but in my opinion, by them taking heroin or, or, or drinking to the extent they did before they performed, it was switching off their conscious and they were trusting the subconscious. And that's what it's about, is trusting. And what I mean by that is, is you, when you practice at home, you practice in the conscious mind. You are saying, I'm doing this X, Y, and Z, that's wrong, that's right, that sounds good, that doesn't sound good, I need to work on this, let's do that a few more times. That's the conscious. But when you're performing and you really want to express through the instrument, there's no place for conscious. So you, you need to leave the conscious mind in the practice room and trust that you have practiced enough to just let it come out. And when I allow myself to do that on stage, that's when I have the best performances and the greatest shows. So what helps you get to the position where you allow yourself to do that? Many years ago, I had a few sessions with a, a sports psychologist who at one point was working with, I'm not quite sure which professional golfer, but you know, all those golfers have professional uh, sports psychologists because you can imagine you standing over a ball with a putter and this putt now equals $3 million. 
if you get this putt, you're going to win three million dollars. The pressure must be unbelievable. That's when you tend to overthink, and that's why you'll pull the putt left or right. So there's no difference in performance. So the Ghanaian penalty that hits the the, the post. The overthinking post. It's, yeah. a, it's that big match temperament yeah, exactly. that that needs to come in. So this psychologist told me that because I was explaining to him that the best shows I have, in my, the best shows I've had, sorry, in my life, mm. is generally when I'm exhausted. I've done 20 shows in a row, and I get to a gig that's got pretty bad sound. Ticket sales are a little bit bleak. You know what I mean? You're going, goodness me, this is going to be a long innings. I don't feel like playing, and I don't actually care. I just want to play the show and I want to go home. That ends up being the show where you play the best, is because you're switching your conscious off because you don't care. And I know it sounds weird. I mean, we all care what we sound like and we play like, but weird. when you are on stage, your attitude should be, I don't care. I just want to have a good time and I, I'm doing music because I love music. So you self-medicate your anxiety out with these drugs and these people do without that's, So that's what, where I think mm. the drug and the, the substance abuse always comes into music, into theater, into acting, into fine arts. It's to switch that, 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 that conscious off. And that, for me, is... Still, my worst enemy. Yeah, do you think that resonates in life generally? Can you see people in other activities, you, you know, performing better, performing well, if they can switch off their conscious mind, especially in these hyper-analytical environments we often live in? I think so. I think, you know, I think maybe as the human race, we've lost the ability to separate conscious and subconscious. You know, when I and, and everyone gets me wrong when I say subconscious. Everyone thinks that I've I'm going to light candles around me and, and have... Pass the talking stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, and have man. a little crystal next yeah. to me. It's not esoteric hippie mentality. It's, it's subconscious is breathing. We don't think about breathing. Mm. We don't think about blinking our eyes. That just happens. And we do it very well. Think about it. As humans, we are all world-class blinkers because <laughs> we don't think about it. You know what I mean? I think if we had to think about blinking, you'd get, you would start overthinking and we'd start mm. blinking funny, you know? Right. It's the same with anything. I think the thought is in the practice room or, or when you're learning how to do something and perfecting something. That's when the conscious is a thing. But you need to know something or master something to a point and then trust that you know it. It's the same in martial arts, isn't it? This yes. idea you start with a white belts and you go yellow and so you you learn the carters you learn the technique and you master your technique sure until you get to black belts and, and then after the black belt you've got these different bands yes and isn't it at that point your your craft is so instilled in you you become mindful in the sense of turning off the mind paradoxically you know yes you're in the moment in the present and then you perform this idea of your black belt starts fading in the sun to white again it, as your craft become internalized. Is it that sort of idea? It's, it's exactly that. And what, what you just said there will make me think of sometimes with those accolades that you, you read at the beginning of the show. Mm. And I, keep in mind, I mean, they're fantastic because it's a little pat on the back for a hard year's work. Ah, oh, cool. We've, I've been recognized for some hard work I've done because that's what they really mean to me. But then all of a sudden you go on tour. We're on tour in the UK or Germany or South Africa or wherever – and now uh, all these accolades are out there because obviously the PR guys, they love this sort of thing yeah. because it's fantastic marketing material, right? But now what it does is it puts pressure on me. And then your ego kicks in, surely. Well, it, 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 it's, it's a, a, I've got to live up to this. That's exactly it. It's wow. Like, oh, that, now you're putting pressure on yourself because now, even though I don't necessarily believe in the fourth best guitar player in the world, I know where it came from. It's from the readers. Great. Happy with that. But sometimes the audience or the people that are, are reading these things they see it differently. They see, well, there's a ranking system. There's like, you can go on the internet and the, you, can see the, yeah, you can see the, can you the, the, the best, best rugby yeah. teams in the world and the best cricket teams mm. ranked by the I, whoever, right. whichever sports organization. Then there's the guitar player one. There's no such thing. But I think a lot of people don't realize there's no such thing because they don't understand mm. what it is. So what ends up happening and when I started getting these, it ended up hurting my playing because... I think, well, now there's a whole bunch of guys sitting cross-armed in the audience going, well, let's see what the fourth best rock guitar player in the world can do. Judging and then the out. whole time on stage, you're going, well, if I was in the audience, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't be happy about what I just played there. 
And then that's a bad place to be, and that's, that's where another, the conscious comes in. And that's another reason why people would take even more drugs, yes, more alcohol to turn that up because the, you got those rankings, yes, because in your hardest, most worn out, and caring less, caring least moments, yes, you performed your best, sure. And now you've got to care a lot because exactly. Right? So on the other hand, you know, those were my best shows. That's what I was telling the psychologist, and one, the worst shows were the shows that mattered. Big album launch. Sold five, six hundred tickets to an album launch in whatever city. Or our first time playing at the Borderline in London, mm. you know, like this iconic uh, venue that I've watched, you know, movies and oh, I mean DVDs of a lot of fav- my favorite artists playing mm. there. Now all of a sudden you want to perform really well, playing at the Borderline. You're doing your album launch. It's press and media there. You want ah. to play, but you never do because all of a sudden you've just taken the conscious and gone, yeah, yeah, that's what's running me tonight. What's running this is my conscious, and you're just mm. doing that automatically. And I still, to be honest, haven't mastered that completely, but I'm getting far, far better at it. And the way I've done it is I, I've created a mantra. So, okay, so you've got a mantra. So here you are. Yeah. You're under pressure. You've got this paradox. You become recognised as being good. Yes. And the recognition is driving your performance down. Yes. Right. Because of Strange, what's going on your own mind. <laughs> no, no, it's natural enough. Yeah. But this is happening. I mean, this is very interesting because actually. There's so many parallels in other parts of our lives. Yes. You, know, we, 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 you do well in the business and suddenly you're this business guru. And you can buy into that. But your performance didn't come from that time. It came from the times when you're under pressure, working hard. Sure. Unrecognized, sweating, making lots of errors, making failures, but somehow getting through. Yes. And now you're in that moment, whether it's in business, it's in your profession, sure. in your home life, whatever it is. So what is this technique that you're evolving because i think this is really interesting well yeah so i mean i don't i don't know if this is the technique i mean i always say i need to go back to that same psychologist because i only did two sessions with the guy and, I, and what's his name i think I'll his think name is kralin fulyun so he's got two surnames you know which was very like g-r-e-y-l-i-n-g yeah, fulyun v-i-l-j-o-e-n i'm saying yes. that for anyone who is not an afrikaans yeah, 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 speaker yeah, yeah, yeah. who's yeah. listening in Germany or for you. So, so for me, he, he, I mean, he was very, very good. And, and I didn't get this from him, but I kind of put two and two together and it took me years to do it. And it has helped significantly. He said to me, when you're warming up, you shouldn't warm up with what you're about to play because mm-hmm. what they're doing is putting your head into the conscious space. Right. So I was like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting, right? You got to warm up. Sure. Because you know, physically you need to warm up. But mentally, you need to warm up too. And I think that's even more important. So I toured with Joe Satriani in 2015. And the biggest thing I learned from the monster of Joe Satriani is headspace. Because that guy plays consistently brilliant every night. How does he do that? Well, I just think he's, he's got such a strong mind and he knows himself and he, he knows how to prepare his head properly. So I took inspiration from that. And I took inspiration from what the psychologist said is – don't warm up with what you're about to play. Warm up with something creative. Write a song while warming up. Because what that's mm. going to do is it's going to put you into a subconscious creative headspace rather than a conscious analytical headspace or, or, or critical headspace where you're criticizing everything and making these black and white decisions because there's absolutely nothing black and white about music. There's, it's just one giant slab of gray area so what i started doing was yes i started warming up with stuff that i wasn't about to play and stuff it, it was kind of working for me but not really so i started warming up my mind and i came up with a mantra which is blowage right so b-l-o-w-a-g-e and that word means nothing but each one of those letters stands for something that I think about and prep my brain for. So what's the, what are those? What's the blowage stamp? Okay, for? so these are all the things I've identified in my playing that when I'm not playing well, you know, I'm, I'm not doing right. So B is breathing, right? Because as a human being, the easier you breathe, mm-hmm. doing anything, the more relaxed your body is, Got you're it. getting oxygen to your brain. You know what I mean? You just relax yourself. So, constant breathing doesn't matter what i'm doing i'm breathing i'm not forgetting so often when you you're getting to a hard thing to play on the guitar or hard thing to do in anything in life your your thing as as a human you stop breathing you do that because it's hard and and when you stop breathing your muscles tighten up all that kind of tightens up right l is loose right is being loose so 
One of the things is when I'm having a bad show, same thing. My body tightens up. My, my hands tighten up and I'm not loose. And it's about being and loose. you do all this without drugs and alcohol. Yeah, yeah well, you just got to, so you fool yourself. So you, you, don't cool. say, you don't say, I must be loose. You say, mm. I am loose when I play. Mm. When, I'm, when I play, I am loose. So say, I must be, I am loose. Yes, I am. I am I, you know what I mean? I am looseness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you play freely, loosely, you know. Same, mm. I breathe constantly and with, with ease while I play. O is, is I'm a well-oiled machine. That's oiled machine, right? Trust my sub- subconscious, in other words. Trust yeah. it. I'm, I know I can do this. I've done it a million times. Mm. So why so you, can't I do it now? And your practice has given you a level of craft. Yes, and that confidence. You can, you can yeah. forget about when, because it's, it's good enough to do what you need to do. Yeah, that's what trusting your subconscious is. And that's mm. why I tell myself I'm a well-oiled machine, mm-hmm. right? Um, w, water flowing. So my phrasing, when I, when I put notes together, it's as natural as water flowing. Flows. I feel like I'm getting the secret formula. Yeah, yeah the secret formula. And performance. And now. also yeah, yeah. ideas flow out of me like water. It's easy. And then A is like probably the most important one for me, which is I am who I am. I'm not anyone else. I don't play like anyone else. I don't play like Jimi Hendrix. I don't play like this guy. I play like me, Dan. But you can play like Jimi Hendrix, as I've heard you. Yeah, yeah, sure. But you can play like all these buggers, can't you? So I've got lots Sorry, of heroes. All these but, people. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but what the thing is, is if, if I'm thinking in my head while I'm playing... Well, I'm going to try and play like Hendrix. You end up, I think, doing yourself in a little bit because but you're inspired by his. Playing. I'm inspired by his playing, but but mm. trying to play like someone is almost impossible. Like trying to, so you got to take inspiration, and that's the essence of their playing, mm. and just play. So that inspiration also, if you if you if you've worked on their stuff enough and listened to it enough, it will come out naturally. You won't have to think about it, right? So I am who I am. I play you like say I play. that like it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is like, if you yeah, practice I'd enough. Like, yeah. If you put the hours in and your head space is enough. So, so, but you're saying like anybody, if they practice enough? I, I, I believe so, but really? not anybody. I believe if you're passionate. If you're not passionate about guitar, if you like guitar a little bit, but you're not passionate about it, you're never going to put in the hours. That passion will pull you through. Passion will pull you through all those, those, those tough, right. long hours. But if you kind of like guitar and it's, it's a vibe for you, you might never be as good as the next guy because you haven't put in the hours. Feeling bad about my guitar. Yeah, sitting, sitting in, the in, the corner corner there, in the corner there. Yeah. there. So where were we? You're on, a, You're on I, G. I, I, You've done okay. a blow R. You've got G. Okay, now G. Now this is, it, it sounds a bit, a bit weird, but I'm a genius. You have to tell yourself that. Excellent. And I'll tell you why. And as, as, as self-absorbed as that sound or as cocky as that sounds, mm-hmm. you got to, that's confidence. That's where the, you got to build confidence in yourself. You know what I mean? I'm so, good at this. So I, so yeah. why shouldn't you be a genius? Actually? Well, I think because once again, I, it's your own self going, well, you know what it is? I listen to players that I consider a genius and I don't consider myself anywhere near that level. So I could never consider myself a genius. But yeah. you, you could be, why not? So allowing yourself to fact You've got genius. And why shouldn't we all have genius in our areas? Sure. You're letting that go. You found your medium, which is your guitar. Sure. But it's almost like a, I don't know, maybe it's the self-destructive side of yeah. of you going, or it's the, well, I don't want to make a fool of myself because I'm saying I'm a genius now. And you get up and now you're putting more pressure on yourself in a way. Like, mm. I'm a genius. And then and going. But it's recognizing something in you, which is like an innate genius. Sure. I suppose you could argue that many people have many levels of genius. Within. I think everyone's got genius in some area of their lives. And that's what you're allowing with it. You're yes. Saying, I'm, I recognize that and I'm allowing it. Yes. So pretty yeah. much that's what, what the G is there for. It's, it's a confidence builder and it's just to get yeah. that into your head. And E, the last one, is easy. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. It's natural. It's easy. It's, this is not hard because I think if you think of something as difficult – it's going to be difficult. If you think of something as easy, it's going to be easy. You know. So I say that mantra in my head while I'm warming up and convince myself of it. And the more I do it, the, the, the quicker I can convince myself. Now, yeah. trouble with this interview, I'm so interested. Yes. I just want to talk for hours and hours there. Yes. I'm sitting here in an office, I'm watching you and listening to you and this studio we have. And there's just so much. I want to take it in a slightly different direction. So here's you, you from... If I may say, an improbable background for a blues guitarist, which sure. is 
part of Johannesburg in a non-blues environment, in a non-blues context, somehow you've dived in there and you found something that's allowed you to perform across the world with recognized best guitarists in the world, being recognized as that yourself. Yes. That's a story that's pretty inspirational, and I think other South Africans need to hear. Do you see that story being replicated or put the possibility of that in other domains in South Africa? I do. I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, you've got to look at what I do in two completely separate yeah. things is the creative and the music side of it, which I, in my business, I generally handle. Mm-hmm. And then there's the business side of it. And I think as musicians and artists, you often forget how critical the business side is because sure, this is what I'm doing for are a you, living. Are you accepting of the business side? Do you, do yes. you, do you, you don't say, oh, business, somebody else got to handle that. Well, do you, do you I do to it? an extent because I feel that if I have to handle all the business by myself, I will end up never playing or never practicing or never shaping my craft because it, it's it's very you know time consuming. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely still have, I play a big role in my business. I know what's going on in my business, but the actual implementing a lot of the you know the business side of things is done by my manager but you allow that that's like you don't you don't disregard that as unimportant you seem to no, find that you seem to recognize the importance of that and respect it has that to be because now everyone's dream when they want to be a musician is i would yeah. love to do this for a living yeah to earn money out of it to survive off this what a lot of people don't think about is that if, if you want to make money out of it it has to be a business you know what I mean? But you most know? people think of, a lot of people think of business as being this terrible, mindless thing that's just all about profit, that's taking everything away. You don't seem to think about business in those terms. No, I mean, it's, do you, it's, how do you see it? Business is about having a structure around the you know, a financial structure, a right. you know, around your business, spending money in the right places, the the mechanics of the business, how it runs, who can you afford people to come and, and help you out, and. Because, for instance, if I didn't have, an, as I mentioned, if I didn't have a manager who I'm paying, Franny, Franny, mm-hmm. I'm paying, I would be doing far less playing of guitar music. But you're not abdicating that. It's not saying, "Oh, business, that's nothing to do with me." I'm You've got a view of business. It's sure. very, very clear. And I've, I've spoken to other great creatives, also some doing the MBA, some of them who've got a very sophisticated, attuned idea of of business. It's not this profiteering machine but almost as this enabling system that allows the value you create to be amplified and sure. spread. is that is that how without a doubt so i mean the way i've experienced is i have i managed myself for a long time before i i, I had mm-hmm. my current manager franny yeah um i've had other people manage me they weren't necessarily managers and the difference is is when i started working with franny and this is his area of expertise i mean i had a you know i've always wanted my business to run because uh, smoothly and be successful because that's going to make life easier for me because if my business is a, is a success it's longevity for for me to play and make a living out of it doesn't mean i, I don't have to go get a day job which is goal number one because i i want to do what i want to do and you know the more successful is and the, and the more financially successful because my manager front he's always said financial success equals creative freedom so if you've if you successfully your business is successful and you've got the funds now that you that your business is creative you can be far more creative because you don't have to do a particular genre of music or a particular line of work just to make money if you know what I'm saying you can mm-hmm. do what you are passionate about because you can survive off it so he he showed me a lot about the actual structures of the music business because I think the music business is is very similar to to normal business out there well it is it's, it's the same business. thing a business is a business it's exchange of something for something else exactly the value you create but there's 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 certain little elements that differ for instance my my relationship with franny my manager is a quite a quite a strange one if you look at it in in the business world because he's managing my career but at the same time he's not my boss but he he takes on certain responsibilities in the business where he is the boss. You know what I mean? Because I've said, okay, so you will handle X, Y, and Z, and I'll handle X, Y, and Z. So I tend to handle more of the creative side of things, the creative decision-making, but also I'll come up with a cool, 
maybe business idea, an idea for the business, or maybe a side little kind of avenue we'll take in the business. And often when I chat to him, I'm very excited because I see the end result always. And Franny's really good at seeing the steps on getting to that end result. And I think that's why, and, and we have different strengths, you know, in, in the business. I think that's why it works so well between us. Because I'm very articulate about this. I mean, you've got you've got this model in your mind about yes. why the business side and why your creative side works. Yes. <clears throat> so the real creative entity is the dynamic balance between the two of you. Yes, I would definitely say so. Because without his ability to to make opportunities, it doesn't allow this creativity to really emerge into the world. Exactly. So would you advise for other creatives to really have a, a good sense of what the business kind of model is? Without a doubt. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, a business is a business. You know what I mean? There's, there's, uh, there's fundamental things that need to be right in a business and happen in the business for a business to be successful. Mm. So for me, and I, I know this from dealing with people in the industry, even if they're not musicians, but just in the music industry, there's a lot of incredibly talented people out there just aren't making ends meet because they're, they're, they're business savvy or they just don't have a clue at the end of the day. Could we help them? I mean, are yes. we sitting on an industry, say in South Africa or Africa or elsewhere, yes. that with a, a more astute, a better balance, a better kind of or human view of what the business side is, yes. could help create an industry and create significant opportunity in the country? Sure. And could those creatives emerging with their business influence broader business like corporate South Africa to make it become more um, corporate anywhere and make it become more innovative and grow. Well, I, I think so. I think, you know, just talking about creativity in business, I think, and I think there's more and more every day, the way technology is going in the world now, mm -hmm. everything's becoming automated, computer, the computer does this now. So now that, that whole line of, of jobs is gone. Because now, why would you hire 10 people to do that? Because you can just press a button on the computer. And, and why would you have a supremely gifted guitarist with, with all that practice when you could have an AI creating that instead? Well, I, the difference I see mm -hmm. is the AI can create it, but it's more randomly. Mm -hmm. So more often than not, it won't be something you would like to listen to, but randomly by mistake it would because remember music and creativity comes from the heart and comes from the soul. It's not a mathematical thing. So for me, what I'm trying to get at is I think creativity in business and creativity in general is going to become more and more of an asset to someone, especially my kids. When my kids are at the age of looking for jobs or studying, I think creativity is going to play a much bigger role in the world because of AI. There are invisible sort of disciplines and strategy in your work around creativity and what you do that you, that you can articulate to some degree. But these are things, I mean, your creativity is not random. Anyway, no, no, sure. Highly disciplined, highly organized. Sure. And yet comes out in this creative improvisation in a moment. Yes. What are, well, I mean, I've got the blowage bit. Yes. Which is brilliant. Sure. What other sort of disciplines or approaches to life do you have that allow your creativity to blossom? It's a, it's a, it's a very, very good question. I'm... Just generally, I think it's just my personality type. I'm generally an introvert as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing who you are, introvert, extrovert, you know, whatever you I mean, like. you're saying it's necessary to be introverted to be a great musician? No, not at all. But it's, necessary it's necessary to... to know who you are. Ah, okay. So I think that's it. So I think a lot of people don't quite know if who they are as a person. So I know that I'm introverted. It's not that I sit in a dark room all day. How does that help you, that moment? Well, it, it helps me if I want to be creative and I want to be at my best, mm. my best mind space, head space, which can equal creativity, is I need to be alone when I write, when I practice. You go to places where you combine yourself, where, you're, where you make sense in your own world and it comes out. Right? Yes. So you where if I had to write, if I had to go to a shopping mall and try and sit in a coffee shop and write music, it would be a disaster for me. Because I'm distracted and I'm, I'm generally an introvert. I don't like big crowds of people. Mm. And I mean, everyone asks me, well, how can you be a musician who's on stage every night and be an introvert? And I think being on stage in front of a whole bunch of people and being in the audience is a very, very different experience. So you're in a sense, you're alone, even though you're in front of many people. Yeah, you're alone. You're, you're I mean, in your own space. You've got your own space and you, 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 
that's that's your platform to to express through. But you're playing with a band, and you're playing with a band. Yes. How does that working with the band, which is a group of other people, yes, in your space? Yeah. Like you have to be very selective about the people you work with. I do. I mean, I think everyone has to. I think a big part of looking at musicians you play with and tour with, it's one sure is their skill levels of what they can do on the instrument and mm. does it suit what you do and all that. Sure, that's that's an important thing, but it's can you get on with the person that you are touring with? Because mm-hmm. touring you in very close quarters to your band and the people you're touring with for the length of the tour. So you've really got to get on with the band members and it's about band mem- members understanding who you are. So you don't want a raging extrovert who's got to be talking to you all the time. We've had an occasional like a sound guy or whatever touring with a guy and it's exhausting. I find I like I'm utterly exhausted after I get spoken to. You know mm. what I mean? And it's it's, mm. it's you don't it's like you're not part of the conversation. It's like you yeah. just when someone feels the need that they can't be, your they, attention. They, they yeah. can't be there can't be any gap of silence. Yeah, yeah. That always, I don't mind silence. If you got something to say, I'm I'm happy to chat about it. But so, you know, when when people talk just for the sake of talking, it, it drains me. It, I, I'm exhausted. Is that why your album Dear Silence Thieves came out? Is that I mean similar? But the Dear Silence Thieves was an incident that I had in Germany while touring as a support act with an artist called Everlast, and he was doing an acoustic show, and people were talking during his his set, oh, maybe, and he yeah. got very upset and. It ended up being, to cut a long story short, a big fight between him and this guy in the audience, a big shouting match. And I, I took the side of the artist because I've done a lot of shows where people are paying a lot of money to see the show, but they come to talk. Mm. And you think to yourself, well, why are you paying all this money to come to my show where you can go talk for free at a restaurant or at a coffee shop? You know what I mean? It's yeah, a silly place to go talk. No, I would know? be very upset if somebody was talking in your set, and I've yeah. heard you a number of times. So that's the, so. Mm. Dear Silences was almost a a letter addressed to people that do that. So mm. Revenge is sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> but it. going back to your team for a moment, because yeah. this is a, a super performing team, is that not right? Sure. Yes, definitely. How do you how do you keep that team at that level of performance? Or what are your techniques? It's a tough thing sometimes. How do you work better? You know, I think firstly being on the road with a bunch of creatives is it can be a tough thing. A lot, I think emotions kind of get sometimes too far in the way because mm-hmm. you know, as a creative person, I think generally you you, you can be more emotional than most. Mm-hmm. Emotions kind of rule your life right, and the right, way right, you yeah. handle handle things. Well, you allow those emotions out for your creativity. Yes, they've got to be present. Exactly. That's not to say you shouldn't have emotions in business, for example. Sure. But if you want to be creative, maybe those emotions need to come out. Sure. They help. Whereas maybe we repress them so much in, in what we think is corporate life. Yes. Which is maybe why we're not so creative. I'm just wondering. Sure. It's it's a very 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 good uh, good point. It's always a, a tough thing. I use the guys that I use. They're not essentially a band because a band would be in the confounds of the band. Everyone gets a equity of the earnings it will split and that's not how I work I'm a solo artist I tour under Dan Patlansky and the musicians I use are session musicians mm-hmm. so regardless if there's no one at the show that night or there's a million people at the show that night they get a session fee so there's no risk risk at all to them Right. if I book them for 20 shows they'll get 20 session fees of X amounts per show each right so there's no risk and that's how session guys work all over the world right it's they get paid to do a job. But in the same sense, I've been using the same session guys for almost 10 years. So I know them very well. And it's very important in my music for the musicians you book and play with is to have a musical understanding with them because a lot of the music's improvised. And to have that understanding between us is a very, very dynamic. It's a very, it's very like paradox there, isn't it? So you've got a contractual relationship. Sure. Which keeps them at a professional and personal distance. Yes. Which may be necessary. At the same time, you've been working for 10 years. Yeah. And so you're very much a tight knit team. So is it necessary to have that sort of dynamic tension in the relationship to allow this group not to become over familiar or over familial? You know? I think I think a lot of you'll see with in band situations with a band. You often see a band will get very successful and at the height of their success that breaks up. Mm. And it's because I think clear boundaries haven't been set. Or understandings of whose role is whose. I believe in anything. Mm. There needs to be a leader 
in anything. Right. It needs to be mm-hmm. a leader or a decision maker, the final say. And that's you. Yeah, that's me because it's right. my band. It's and right. musically and you know, for the business too because that's my say. My father's a lawyer, so my mm. so my father always talks about this. And ninety percent of his cases are this: there's two partners in a business, and they have fifty-fifty <laughs> share. I've seen that only too closely. Yeah, and it's you get a, you know it's a deadlock. Now there's a a divide in opinion or, or something like that. We want to go this way. I want to go that way. You you got equal shares. Now there's a deadlock, and then lawyers get involved. So I believe rather than a 60-40 or a 49-51 split because it always has to be that one person going, this is the way we're going. This is the call. It's the same in the band. So that's me. And why I said it was difficult with the band is because they're on a kind of contractual official basis. You get paid X amount per show. Your session fee will increase yearly to by 10% or whatever, whatever the case is. But the same thing, I have to have a personal relationship with them. And, and, and have friendship with them and be on a different level with them because we are making music together and improvising together. So it does become a, almost a tricky balancing act sometimes. Very interesting. So I see a power dynamic there. So the power dynamic is not, well, power graded isn't super steep. Like it's not like you're the boss and nobody can question. Sure. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. But it's not flat either. Sure. So, and funny enough, we do the same thing in flight crews and in, in cockpits. Yes. They manage to be power gradient and flight crews so that the co-pilot can challenge. Yes. And we're talking about that in, in, in corporates as well. Keep the power dynamic, the power gradient right. So you've got a power gradient that's appropriate. And you've got and you do solo creative work. So a lot of your creative work is so is constructed on your own. Sure. So not like an extrovert who would construct conversations between two people and their meaning is developed in conversation. Sure. You're going back to yourself developing and then you're coming to your creative team. Yes. And they're then... Embellish it or... Right up. Based take on it your... from there, pretty much. So that's yeah. the way I naturally create and, and write music. Um, the, the way I... If I've got to write for an, a new album, you've got to be in a different headspace to the performing headspace. It's a completely mm. different hat you wear. Um, so when I write, I'll take off a month or two completely from touring and playing live because I don't want to put that hat on and, and keep on taking it, you know, putting the hat off and on. So I will dedicate two months or a month or whatever long I got to just writing. And in, in that month, I dedicate all my time to being at my home. That's where I write the best. Kids are at school, wife's at work. And for the day, that's what I do is I create and I get yeah. right. And you get into that. And that's aspect. about knowing yourself. Because yes. I was watching an Ed Sheeran documentary yeah. where he was writing and he got two musicians in a room for a day, actually, and I can't remember which song. It's one of his most famous. Very different types of people. And they were constructing music in a very egalitarian way that none of them had the idea. But the combination of the three people working together ended up with this this great song. Sure. And it was a very different way of creating than the one you described now. So it sure. be a more extrovert model, if you like. Sure. Where they so, needed each other to create. So I think knowing yourself is 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 important to getting the most out of yourself right. where you perform in the best environments mm. and it's not about I mean you've got to experiment in both because you don't you might not know but it's it's about knowing that and I think that's where a lot of people it, it takes them a, a lot longer to know who they want to what they want to do in life what's their passion it's almost like people that go through life and they never find their soulmates romantically mm. it's a sad thing someone that you connect with it's a, yeah. it's the same it's the same thing I suppose with what you want to do in life, you know. Some people like, meet them and don't recognize them until afterwards. Exactly. Or, or, or just kids leave just, school. Just touch them and, and depart. You know? Sure. Yeah. So you'll get certain kids. You'll leave school. You'll finish matric. You have kids that know exactly what they want to pursue. I want to go down this path in life because I know. But you were like that. Right? I was like it because I knew I wanted to do music. But you get kids that will leave school and they'll go, right? I want to go study. What do I study? Mm. I don't really know what I want to be, and I, and I find in a way. It's quite scary. I mean, I'd be very scared if I was like that. I mean, maybe for some people, it just takes a little bit longer to know. Yeah. So I could talk to you all day, Dan. I mean, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I remember Ken Robinson, who did a very famous TED talk about creativity in schools. Yes. I remember in one of his books, he was talking about creativity. He said, we all create it, but in different ways. The, the specific thing that brings creativity out in individuals is finding your medium. Sure, without a doubt. And maybe we, we need to explore the media a lot. My daughter plays piano, but loathes violin. Right. You know, in fact, her 
piano teacher had a violin in a box above her piano. And my daughter said, why is that there? I said, because I was forced to play violin when I, when I was young. And that is my violin's coffin. And my boy plays flute and, and didn't like guitar. You know, obviously, I'm, I was funny if he plays guitar, but plays piano really well. And so how do you find your medium? That's, that's very interesting. And I just want to close around that. Sure. Maybe with a couple of words of advice. For you know, as I said, some those kids that leave school don't know what to do. They just haven't found their medium yet. And it could be a job. It could be a, a, could, a way It doesn't of have life. to be a, yeah. an art form necessarily. I mean, everything's an art form. I could talk about accountants. Yeah. Your I mean, your, your language might be numbers. That yeah, is exactly. your balancing a book. That's, that's what your gets you up in the morning. Yeah. That's your, your, that, and uh, as hard as it is to believe for me that that could be, that is someone's art form. And yeah. th that, that's for sure. For me, it's about experimenting with stuff. And, you know, as I've got kids and I always have this thought in my head like will I force my not force my kids will I want my kids to play music and now my thoughts are is if I force music on my children so you have to go to guitar lessons it's right? the surest way to destroy their music exactly or their love it becomes music. the more you force them the more exactly. sure they are so drop that so my my thought about you not them yeah I want to expose my kids to as many different things as possible so they can kind of make an informed decision of what they, they want to do. Mm. And I know just from me as a kid, I mean, I was a very passionate person. So I would, when I got into something, I got interested in something, that's all that I could think about. So I was 100% focused on a hobby or, or this or that. And it's always been, it's part of my addictive personality, I suppose. Mm. So, but for my kids, I would love to expose them. So I think it's about exposing yourself then to many different things and to find that medium. To, I, don't, I don't know if there's a, a black and white method to do it, but I think it's... Well, obviously experimentation, obviously yeah. in your life for your kids and us as, us as adults as well. For sure. I don't think we should still be looking. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. I mean, it, it's a super important thing. I think you're blessed if you found your medium and the earlier you find it, which I feel blessed because I found my creative and my medium and my passion very early on. You know, it's a lot easier when you're still living at home with your parents to start being a musician. Especially if you've got parents who support that. Support that. that. Yeah. Now, the thing is, you know, being a musician, it takes you a lot, very long time to earn money out of it because it's, you know, you've got to do a whole bunch of freebie shows and, and, and bits and bobs. And it's a lot easier when you're young. But if I, I could imagine, if I started, if I wanted to, if I wasn't a professional musician and I wanted to become one now, I'm 37 years old. I've got, you know, a bond to pay. I've got, so cars. Definitely too late for me. Now. <laughs> I've got those, you know, those adult responsibilities, you know, financial, right. kids, schooling, all mm. that. So it'd be very difficult to go, oh, you know what, I'm going to become a musician. So that's why I say it's a blessing to find that, that medium early on. But I don't think if you find it later in life, it's the end of the world. Oh, There's yeah. ways I mean, to get around it. For me, my medium is, is education and learning. It's, yes. It's how do you get people to learn and find their own and find their own media that's for me is i love doing that yes thank you very much dan i mean I, oh, thanks john i noticed you've called yourself an addictive personality in yes semi-pejorative sense i'm not sure that's so at the same time you say you're passionate yes so there's obviously a close relation between this passion what we call passion what we call addictiveness i think so and maybe it's just going over the edge slightly of the passion yes uh are more of us sort of underpassionate or more of us over-addictive? Where, where do you think that groove is? Can we, should we push people more to the increased passion at the risk of slightly? I think so, yeah. and I'll tell you why I think why so. Why is that? It's because I believe being a specialist at something versus being a jack-of-all-trades is far more beneficial and, and you'll see far better results. And I can only speak from my world, being a guitar player. If you look at, the diff at American guitar players birthplace of modern guitar playing why are the guitar players so incredibly good there is because everyone specializes i think versatility is good to a certain extent a certain sense but i think i don't believe in versatility in most things i believe in specializing in certain things i'd rather be the best at what i do than i can do i got my i can do kind of everything but not world-class, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I can get away with doing everything. And I think 
you know, in the competitive world we live in, in, in every avenue, being a specialist is such an important thing. And I think being a specialist, you can be a specialist in what you do, in yourself. You can be a specialist in yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not a specialist in any genre of music, but I'm a specialist in playing guitar like Dan Patlansky plays guitar. And that is fueled once again by being overly passionate about what I do and about focusing all my energy on a point instead of saying I'll focus on lots of little points or, or a big thing. I'm focusing on I want to be brilliant at that small thing and focus all my energy at it. So, Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, Thank you, John. it's so interesting. You're talking about that specialization. It's lifted you into mastery of an art. It's lifted you into the world. The lessons underlying that are, I think, relevant to all of us. And as you reach this level, you're also becoming more general in a sense. You understand a balance between business. Sure. You've got lessons to offer people across all domains. You've got much more music to play. And, sure. Uh, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> and here's this guy, you know, from down the road here in Johannesburg, recognized globally as being a master blues musician, truly recognized by the people who really understand this, the music fans around the world. Hardly known, really, to the level you ought to be known in South Africa. An amazing story of, of achievement. And a great son of South Africa, a great son of Africa. And somebody who's taking this into the world, an inspiration to all of us, I think. I'm very grateful to know you and, and very pleased with your success. And obviously, we'd like to help you as much as possible. And maybe we'll have to continue this conversation yeah, part two at day. some point. Yeah. Part two, yes. Well, John, it's been a, a pleasure to be here. And it was... A fantastic interview because it felt more like a chat and this is these subjects I really enjoy talking about because I find them really interesting myself and I do a lot of research on headspace and you know all the stuff we've, we've chatted about so it was a, a pleasure for me to do thank you Dan
Find more Henley Intelligence on our Henley Africa social media platforms.